morning, everyone. My name is KT. I'm the youth minister here at the Winsboro Church of Christ, and we're so glad that you've joined us to worship this morning. Uh, we know that you're probably gathered in a small group, or maybe just your family, or maybe even just by yourself, and we're so thankful that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. Before we get into our sermon and our usual things that we've put online, uh, I wanted to encourage you with something. As the elders and us as ministers have been discussing, one of the things that we miss most about having to meet virtually is not being able to sing with one another. And so in order to help with that, uh, I have a couple of clips here of just a couple of families who have taken their phone, they've set it up somewhere, uh, they've filmed with their camera on their phone itself, and just recorded a song or two of them singing together. And one thing that I think that this does is it helps us as we gather in our own homes to be able to sing along with them. We're not just watching them sing, we're not just listening to it because, let's be honest, we're not all the best singers and that's okay, uh, but it gives us something to go off of. It allows us in our own settings to praise God and, and use those videos as a guide for us to worship together even when we're apart. And so I know we all know this verse, but I'd like to share it with you again this morning. Colossians 3 verse 16. It says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I love the way that Paul puts that, teaching and admonishing one another. That word admonishing really means to strongly encourage. I think there's no better way to describe how I feel whenever I watch these videos of others singing and praising God and the comfort of their own homes. But not only that, I would, I would challenge you and encourage you as you hear these, these words sung today to sing together with your small group, to sing together even if you are an individual watching this. Praise God with one another. Be encouraged by one another's voices. And so with that, I want to encourage you and, and even challenge you a little bit to record your own videos. Take your camera your, on your phone. It doesn't have to be some big production. You can just simply prop up your phone somewhere and you and your family, your small group, uh, just record a couple of your favorite songs. And then you can send them to me personally. You can try to email them through winsboroyouth at gmail.com. Or if you have my phone number, you might even be able to text me uh, the video itself. If you have any issues, I'd love to help because it's, it's not about some big production. It's not about us being incredible singers, although I think many of you are. Instead, it's about praising God with one another, teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, in songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to God. That's what we want to do. As we continue to have to meet virtually, I think it would be no greater encouragement than to see one another see each other in our own homes, in our own worship settings, praising God together with one another.
<laughs> you ready? Apple red happiness, popcorn cheerfulness, cinnamon singing inside, a big bonbon, peppermint energy gum drop holiday when you give Christ your life. The benefits of God's great love are super satisfying. Throw away the sin, let the sun shine in. Try it and you'll see how you get apple red happiness, popcorn cheerfulness, cinnamon singing inside a big bonbon, peppermint energy, come drop holiday when you give Christ your life, when you give Christ your life. Good morning and happy Easter. And before you get up and try to switch and find a different video, no, this is the video for today, April the 19th. And I realize that we celebrated Easter last week on April the 12th. But if you look at your calendars, you might notice that some of them say that today is recognized as Easter for the Eastern Orthodox churches. I want to point out the Eastern Orthodox Easter for the simple reason of they don't call it Easter. They call it Pascha. And Pascha is actually a very old word. And it doesn't just mean Easter. It's actually the same word in the Bible for Passover. The same word in the New Testament for Passover is the word they use. And that's been used for centuries and centuries. This goes way back. To those that were just a few generations removed from the apostles themselves who wrote the New Testament. Actually, it was a big argument. One of the biggest arguments in the early church in the first couple of centuries of its existence was when to celebrate Pascha. Whether to celebrate it on the day that the Jews celebrated it or to wait until Sunday. Now Sunday eventually won out. Uh, they had many meetings and councils and things to determine that. And we think, well, that's kind of a not a big important thing. And I agree, it's not. But it does show something. Something that I think maybe we've lost. Something that I want to try to point out, or regain, or focus on this morning. And that is the celebration of, the acknowledgement of, our belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ points and is tied and interwoven into the story of the Passover. Jesus and the Passover are inherently and intimately connected. Jesus took the Passover with his apostles. They broke the bread and they drank the cup. On that meal that the Jews have celebrated for millennia, because they think about, you know, the Old Testament, the command for the Passover, which we're going to get to in just a moment, is all about the exodus from Egypt. And there are parts of that story, there are themes of that story that maybe help us recognize in even a better light what it is Jesus did for us. Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month is to be your beginning of months. It is to be your first month of the year. To the whole community of Israel, in the tenth day of this month, they each must take a lamb 
for themselves according to their families. A lamb for each household. If any household is too small for a lamb, the man and his next door neighbor are to take a lamb according to the number of people. You will make your count for the lamb according to how much each, each one can eat. I don't know if they had teenagers with appetites like we do today, but uh, I'm sure that factored into the count. God didn't want wastefulness. He said, if your family's big enough, but you're a lamb for your family. If not, go in together with your next door neighbor's family. Share together in this meal. Your lamb must be perfect, a male, one year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You must care for it until the 14th day of this month, and then the whole community of Israel will kill it around sundown. They will take some of the blood and put it on the two side posts and top of the door frame of the houses where they will eat it. They will eat the meat the same night. They will eat it roasted over the fire with bread made without yeast and with bitter herbs. Do not eat it raw or boiled in water, but roast it over the fire with its head, its legs, and its entrails. You must leave nothing until morning, but you must burn with fire whatever remains of it until morning. This is how you are to eat it, dressed to travel, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. You are to eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. And if I was reading that in the New Testament, it would say, this is the Lord's Pascha. Passover is a little bit like Israel's 4th of July. As Americans, we celebrate our independence, our freedom, on the 4th of July. And we do it in a pretty big way. We set off fireworks. Well, Israel didn't celebrate their independence with fireworks, but they celebrated it with a meal, with a week-long celebration of specific restrictions of what not to do, like have yeast or leaven in the house, but also of taking a break, not working for those seven days of the Passover. That's in here too. And so... To, re to recognize how important a feast this was for the Jewish people, we maybe combine even the 4th of July and Christmas. Um, 4th of July being our national holiday, so to speak, and Christmas being the holiday with the most tradition. And as you read the commands and the things that are to be done, and even now, how the Jews celebrate the Passover every year, it is full of tradition. It's their biggest holiday because it celebrates, it remembers, it reflects on how they got their freedom, how they won their independence, or more appropriately, how God won their independence for them. So it was the birth of Israel as a nation, a new people. I think we don't realize maybe sometimes that before Israel was led into the wilderness by Moses and to Mount Sinai and given the Ten Commandments, they didn't know who they were. They weren't really an, even a nation yet. They were, they, they were descendants of some stories they had heard long ago. And they had heard about stories about how God blessed Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But for them... They were just doing back-breaking labor, enslaved, unable to be free or even to have an identity. 
And God gave them the identity on Mount Sinai with uh, the story of the Exodus and releasing them from bondage from Pharaoh and just like Jesus gives us an identity. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. Peter is reminding the church, the people that are now bound to Jesus and made a new people through Jesus, he uses some of the same themes that God used whenever he made the Israelites a new people for himself. Because he says in verse 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may proclaim the virtues of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You once were not a people, just like those Israelites in the land of Egypt. But now you are God's people. You were shown no mercy, but now you have received mercy. And if you don't see the connections there, which I hope you do, but if, if they're not strong yet, keep reading. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to keep away from fleshly desires that do battle against the soul. Israel was a foreigner and an exile in the land of Egypt. They didn't belong there. And so God went in and rescued them and pulled them out. But for us, in Christ, because his kingdom is not of this world, he came and He redeemed us. He came and He pulled us from darkness to light. Out of slavery, we're still living in the land of Egypt in some ways. We're still stuck, unable to fully appreciate and come into our own kingdom. We live and work and participate in the kingdoms of this earth. But Peter gives the instruction of, be careful as you do. Be careful. Remember that your kingdom's now somewhere else. And so you're living as foreigners. You're living as aliens and strangers. And maintain good character, good conduct among the non-Christians, so that though they now malign you as wrongdoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God when he appears. Jesus made a new nation, a holy nation, a kingdom of priests, just like God made out of the Israelites, but now it's not limited to a people, to a heritage, to a culture. God has invited all to come in. And as we come into the new kingdom of God, and our reigning king, our Messiah, Jesus, we also realize, we also remember that we're still living in foreign lands. But our job is to point to our king. And then also consider the idea of the lamb. And we sing songs like Lamb of God. In John 1.29, when he saw Jesus, the first thing he said was, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, people standing around hearing John say that, they've had Passover every year of their life. They've eaten the lamb, sacrificed for them, for their remembrance of how the blood protected them when they put it on the doorposts and put it at the top and the sides of the doorposts. 
And they've told this story and they've, they've been raised by hearing this story and, and, and the traditions and the rituals that accompanied that week-long celebration of Passover. And I mean, this was ingrained into them. And so when they heard John the Baptist say, look, there's the Lamb of God, I have to think that their minds went to the Lamb from Egypt. And maybe they didn't understand fully what that was yet, but now we do. Now we do because not only did John say it at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, but over in John chapter 19, verse 36, we're told specifically that Jesus' legs were not broken in that it fulfilled Scripture. Now what Scripture it fulfilled? Look at Exodus chapter 12, verse 46. It must be eaten. So God's told them how to do the Passover. Now he's telling them how to remember it. It must be eaten in one house. You must not bring any of the meat outside the house. And you must not break a bone of it. The Romans had the custom of breaking bones, of breaking the legs of men who hung on crosses. It sped things up. Especially, we are told that they wanted to speed things up the night Jesus was crucified, because the next day was a Sabbath. And so they would break the bones, but John tells us very explicitly they didn't break Jesus' bones. Instead, they pierced his side. And so he fulfills what John the Baptist said about him, that so long ago when he was baptized, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But then there's not just the Lamb, there's the bread. God makes it very clear, and Jews today still practice, that for Passover, the whole week, not only do you not make bread with yeast, you don't have any yeast in your house. You get it out. Um, there are different reasons, potentially, for that. Uh, one we see in the first command for the Passover, back in chapter 12 of Exodus, whenever he said, eat it standing up. That night, they would eat it standing up with their staff in their hand, because God was saying... This is going to be the last one. I'm going to break the power of Pharaoh tonight. And so get ready to go. And they were standing with their staff in hand, ready to go. And the thing about unleavened bread is it's the bread for traveling. It's the bread that you would carry with you on long journeys. Because it kept longer, it didn't mold as fast. And it could be more easily wrapped up. And so... Yeast, in that moment, would be, well, hey, we're going to hang out here and have plenty of time to eat this and spend our time and continue to be in Egypt. And God's saying, no, you need to leave Egypt behind and eagerly start on this journey toward your new life. And that's what that unleavened bread represented. And so the yeast came to be thought of as the evil you want to leave behind. Sin that you want to get rid of. And that's how Jews still think about unleavened bread today and how the New Testament uses it as well. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul connects Jesus as both the Passover lamb and also getting rid of the yeast that doesn't belong. 
Paul says, your boasting is not good. They were boasting that, oh, we tolerate everything. Well, Paul says, some things you shouldn't tolerate, particularly sin. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast affects the whole batch of dough? Clean out the old yeast. Get rid of the yeast even out of the house like they did for the Passover. So that you may be a new batch of dough. You are, in fact, without yeast, for Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. So then, let us celebrate the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of vice and evil, not with the old way we lived in slavery, like the Israelites back in Egypt. Don't be a slave to sin. Don't let sin control you and fill you up and expand inside of you. But with the bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. So yeast is the thing that must be gotten rid of. I like my bread with yeast. I love, you know, Lisa's a good baker and sometimes we have homemade French bread. Sometimes she makes a peasant loaf. Sometimes she makes homemade rolls. And they're all good. I remember eating the homemade rolls of my grandmother and... You know, that smell of rising bread cooking in the oven smells so good. And I'll pull it out and put butter on it. I know I'm making you hungry. I'm making me hungry. And so to eat it is okay. And 51 weeks out of the year, the Jews eat bread with yeast in it too. But the Passover, that commemoration of what to leave behind in Egypt, God says, be ready to move. Be ready to leave behind what needs to be left behind and embrace the fact that you're on now a new journey. A new journey to freedom. And don't be held back by those things you want to hang on to. Get rid of that yeast. And let Christ, let, let God, let His Spirit fill you up. Well, what do we do with this? And I would say that what we do, we do in remembrance. Just like the front of our table says. Do this in remembrance of me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23, Paul reminds the church in Corinth where their whole idea for the Lord's Supper came from. And it wasn't just a command to remember, but it was something that Jesus himself did. And that's why we do it. Because he said, do this in remembrance of me. And that's what it says. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, that Passover night, when all the Jews were celebrating Passover, but Jesus knew it was different. It was special. Because he was about to be that Passover lamb. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this every time you drink it in remembrance of me. There's a big emphasis in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 on remembering. Jesus told us, Remember this. Remember what I've done. And that's exactly actually what the original Passover was for too. The original Passover was so that when the children asked, 
Why do we do this? Why do we get rid of the leaven? Why are we having this meal? Why are we doing this special holiday all week long? Scripture specifically says, when your children ask you, you are to tell them. Because God rescued us. It is to be an everlasting memorial that reinforces generation after generation after generation. Both what God has done and also who that has made us. And Jesus takes that Passover, but he redefines it. He tells his apostles on that night, it's no longer about Moses. What Moses did was amazing. The prophet of God, rescuing God's people. But it was just a small example, a small taste of what God was really going to do of what God was going to do through the Messiah. And Jesus is that Messiah. So now he says, I'm I, I am changing what Passover means and changing how you do Passover. And so as Christians, our Pascha is different. And we also get to do it every time we take the Lord's Supper. We get to take the bread. We get to take the cup. Just as we will this morning in just a moment. And remember, what an amazing gift Jesus has given us. Where we remember Him. Remember our King. Remember that it wasn't just a prophet of God sent to rescue. But God Himself came down to rescue. We do it in memory, but we also do it in anticipation. Look at verse 26. For every time... You eat this bread and drink the cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Passover's for us. The new, redefined, remade Passover that for us becomes this Lord's Supper that we share in every, every Sunday whenever we come together and worship together or maybe worship in our homes. But we still, everyone takes it together. We do it because we're looking back at the cross and looking back at the empty tomb that gives us hope. But we also look forward. Knowing that again, we're strangers and aliens right now. But one day, one day, we'll be taken home. Whenever Moses went into Egypt, he famously used the words, Let my people go. And he was speaking them on behalf of God. It wasn't Moses saying, let my people go. Moses is saying, God says, let my people go. Because the Israelites belong to God. And God came to claim his people. And to rescue them from oppression. Well, when Jesus came down to this earth. And was born in that manger. But then he grew and he preached and he taught and he healed and performed miracles and then he eventually went to the cross and went to the grave and came up out of that grave all of that was God telling Satan God telling death God telling sin let my people go he came down and pride 
the doors of death apart and said, follow me out. I'll rescue you. I'll take you to the land of promise. Not this physical land, this physical life right now, but the eternity to which we're headed. And that's proof. That's proof that Really, the Passover is proof for in the Israelite tradition of the Old Testament, of which Jesus again came from and participated in and redefined. But whenever you eat that bread and drink that cup this morning, our new Passover with our new lamb sacrifice and our unleavened bread, the bread that forgets what is behind but looks forward to what is to come in the journey in which we're on and the cup of blessing. Passover had several cups they would take. And when Jesus took the cup of blessing, he said, this is now the cup of my blood, the cup of the covenant, the new covenant, where he sanctifies us through his blood. All of that is God reminding us every single Sunday that he loves us. And he let nothing stand in the way of rescuing us, of showing up and saying to our, the oldest enemy there is, death itself. God said, let my people go. Remember these instructions are permanent and must be observed by you and your descendants forever. When you arrive, in the land the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to celebrate this festival. Then your children will ask, what does all this mean? What is this ceremony about? And you will reply, it is the celebration of the Lord, the Lord's Passover, where he passed over the homes of the Israelites in Egypt. And though he killed the Egyptians, he spared our families and did not destroy us. Then all the people bowed their heads and worshiped. So when we take communion, Jesus instituted it at the Passover. And God who made us knew that we needed things to bind us together as a people. And one of the things that binds us together as a people is communion because we remember what God did for us through Jesus. And it's our job to pass that on to next generations. Not only the next generations, Willa, Willa, not only the next generations, but to everybody we come into contact as we remember what Jesus did for us. Nelson, would you lead us in prayer? Let's pray for the bread. Lord, we come before you today. Um, we're thankful, thankful that we're still able to be together in this way. Thankful that we can still um, take communion together. Um, Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity. Lord, um, I know it can be easy for me sometimes to forget about um, what Jesus went through. The, the pain and the agony was real. And um, just as if um, one of us were on the cross that day, Lord. Um, he felt 
and hurt just as if we would have. Lord, help us not to forget that. Help us not to um, forget the sacrifice and the things that um, you have done for us in the past, but also going forward, um, the things that you will do for us, the, the ways that you will look out for us, Lord. So as we take this, this bread, help us to remember those things, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for uh, the family that we have, that, that we are able to share in, in your Holy Spirit and your communion together, and not just our immediate families, but our church families, our, our family of believers all around the world that um, we are able to be united with uh, through uh, this holy institution of communion. We're just thankful that we are able to remember together the love that you have for us um, and the ultimate way that you showed us that love, which is by shedding your blood for us on the cross. We pray that you would help us to remember that always and, um, and allow that to completely change us and change who we are and, and be everything that we talk about and think about and, and share with our families, with our friends, with everyone that we come into contact with. And pray that we'd remember that now as we take the covenants in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you and keep you. Thank y'all. Have a great day. Colby's lesson this week focuses on the history and origin the Passover feast. Some of the scripture that he has referenced comes from 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to focus on verse 12. It says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I also want to reference 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 11. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Our daily lives have been turned upside down in the last month, yet in spite of it all, we have all continued to follow the guidelines that scripture has set forth for us. You are to be commended for doing so. Keep your chin up, keep your head up. There is light at the end of the tunnel and we will persevere and make it to the very end. Have a good week. Hey everyone, just to close here, I wanted to thank you in advance for sending me uh, your videos of you and your family and your small groups worshiping and praising God together. Uh, as I said before, just take that smartphone, uh, put it up in the corner somewhere, and record you and your family singing. It's not about how you look or how you sound or any of that. And I can guarantee you, uh, as much as it is awkward and 
kind of strange for you to be doing that, I guarantee you it is so much more encouraging than any of that. And the benefits that come from it and the blessings that will come from it far outweigh any of the awkwardness or any of that self-confidence you may be feeling. Trust me, we've been recording these videos for a few weeks uh, and it doesn't get much more awkward than sitting in your empty office and staring at your smartphone uh, sitting up on a tripod. Right, I just broke the fourth wall a little bit, I guess. But uh, I thank you so much in advance for sending us those videos. I know it will be such an encouragement. As you send in those videos, thank you so much. Feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions. I'd love to help in any way I can. And I pray that you all have a great and wonderful Lord's Day.